The crash site would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we create, the Yagara and Turbal peoples. We also pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was and always will be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's land. What is this? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Minitsky Brothers. Like my Milo without milk. I did a new clap. Sounded like a clap. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. Week five. Five, five, five. Instagram. Um, we've been planning this for the past six weeks. Um, six and weeks. That's way too long. We only do projects for four weeks. Shall we? Shall we jump into the show? I thought we were going to dwell on how we, how how Instagram failed with our plan of attack. <laughs> you know, sure. Anyway, we, do you we, want to from the very opening? We, of the yeah, I think I think you should kick us off with how explain how we we schemed. So we schemed. We, we did scheme. Scheming is definitely the right word for this. Um, it all started one one lonely, dark, <laughs> wet night. As many nights after this. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of nights dark, alone, and covered in water. It's weird. It's, well, it's like, it's like okay until the wetness. You know, like, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fine night. No, there's a leak in our roof. <laughs> okay. I've, I've reported that to the real estate. There's a leak in my brain. <laughs> there is. There is. But that doesn't come into part two of the Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part one, I'm alone. The the dripping is occurring on, on my body in bed, oh. while I'm in bed. And oh. I get up and I have an idea. And I message our group chat and I say, <laughs> if we're going to call ourselves the crash site, <laughs> we need to crash something. And that's when we decided to email Anonymous. Yeah, so we emailed anonymously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> To a lot of people around the world. Lots of just random people. And we ask them one simple question. So we send about a thousand emails out, and the question we ask is, do you know... Yeah, yeah, all, all these were 10-minute mails. Was, what was that? <laughs> <These> 10 <laughs> minute <laughs> mail. mail and mail. Yeah, yeah. And we, sent, and we sent the message was, do you know how to crash Instagram? And out of a thousand messages, we got three replies. Yeah. Uh, two of them wanted us to wire the money. Um, but the yeah. third one was a lovely old lady from um, Kansas City. Um, and, and Zane, maybe you could read her email out. Mm. Hello. I'm from Are Kansas you reading City. It? You're not. Okay. No, okay, that's one way to fail an introduction. <laughs> I think we were so far gone that it's kind of it's it's great though because this week's episode is about failing. Hey, I love failing. Dealing with failure, mm. learning from trial and error. What does failure look like? How can we change our dialogue? 
within ourselves and each other when it comes to failing. Let's start it off with... <laughs> I love this dude voice. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's story time. Let's, Let's start, start it off, off <laughs> with chapter one from Zed's lonely, dark and wet bed. <laughs> where, where all so, the Zed sat on his so, bed. I have a question. Okay, actually, hang on. Let's check in. Let's check in real quick. Um, <laughs> back to, back to the problem. On a scale of, of from one to ten, how are you? It's changed up this week. Something you're looking forward to on the weekend. Me, I got the nod. I got the nod, so I'll go. I'm I'm feeling a solid eight, eight point five. It's been it's been a really busy week, but we're having a blast here. We've been we've been joking around for the past forty minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, um, Tarek and I have been laughing all the all other. Laughing, we're laughing. We're like, crash, like we have fun. Uh, we we do have we fun. have fun. We do have um, fun. <laughs> um, one thing I'm looking forward to this weekend. My little sister has her AFL grand final. Um, so very excited for that. It's going to be good fun. Yeah. Up the Shout out Faz. Mount Gravatt Vultures. Up the Mount Vultures. <laughs> <laughs> One of our sponsors. Up the, up <laughs> yeah. the in the context of Goda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our extensive list of sponsors. <laughs> our, yeah, we have a very, yeah, we have a very extensive list of sponsors. So if you want to be a part of that, um, if you're just listening, you want to be an individual sponsor and you want to get a shout out on the podcast, let us yeah. know. Yeah. Tara, how are you? I'm good. I'm. <laughs> My brain's a little bit everywhere right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, had a good day so far. Been at rehearsals for most of the day, and now I've been hanging out with the boys, getting some content sorted. So probably sitting in about I want to say like eight, a solid eight. Hmm. Um, also had some stones. Oh yeah. <laughs> some stones. Oh yeah. Had a pie. That was great. Steak, oh. bacon, and cheese. Steak, bacon, what and cheese. Think? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Really? And you had the wagyu. I had the wagyu. Yeah. Wagyu. 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 Stone's Bakery in Greensboro. Can we just dwell? Can we all say the word? Okay, you... Say it on the count of three. Okay. All together. No, 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 Wait, so whoever wins scissors, papers, rock gets to decide who's correct. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm voting for Zane. <laughs> no. You can't vote for Zane. He's out. No, it's not in the rule book. Yeah. Oh, let me check the rules real quick. <laughs> Except under clause four, section C, unless Zane has a smile on his face and he's got a cheeky haircut, which he has. He's oh, looking mighty fresh. Oh, you have a cheeky haircut. Tune into our video series. Wait, how, let's check in with you. How are you and your cheeky haircut going? <laughs> so my cheeky haircut's doing about a... I'm a nine, eh? I am... Oh, yeah. I'm feeling really good. Um, and I'm looking forward to... I think Brisbane kicks off this weekend, right? 
It does. It does. It does. <laughs> Tarek just wanted to type a rock. Okay, well, so then Wagyu is the way to go. Wagyu! Wagyu is the way to go. Up to the Wagyu! Yeah, we were just talking about the program and <clears throat> looking at some shows we'd like to see. But we were also talking about, I guess, like certain you know, perks and cons of the festival from our perspective and our place in the industry. But yeah, it's great to see you know, art back, live art back again, you know, we just, I've been seeing shows, my housemates and musicians as well, and I'm looking forward to this Friday, we're going to a Rosa Mac gig. Oh yeah, mm. shout out Rosa Mac. Yep. Another so, sponsor? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I just by the time this is up, it'll be the weekend gone, so, yeah. yeah. But, um, I also think it's time to keep the storytelling going, I want, I want, I want you to tell the story. Oh yeah, there's this ominous story that Zed needs to explain that I yeah. will be reacting to live. <laughs> live. Okay. So We're now this is show. us slipping into our story state with our, Zed Hopkins, the narrator. Our traction's going to go up with the, it, this reaction this is, trend. Oh, this is, yeah, this is a reaction video yeah. and a half. Yeah. This, so I think it does tie in the failure. I think I would tie it into the failure <laughs> oh, yeah. of your brain to comprehend <laughs> the reality you're in. <laughs> right? Like, fundamentally, I have never before this morning ever questioned my own sanity to this extent. My own ability to comprehend the reality around me. So, oh. I go to bed kind of early the night before, like 8.30ish, right? Because I was getting up early, I had a big day of work, and so I'm up at 4. And at 4, my normal routine is I get in my car and I drive to the gym, which is just down the road. Mm -hmm. The night before, I, the night before I, I had to park, so we live in a city. So I had to park on the street, sort of around the corner from where we are because all of the parks were taken. Um, and I was kind of bummed about it. It was the furthest way I've ever had to park. It's a, it, like I had to walk home, you know? I was driven my car. I walked home many times. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard life walking home. No, but, but, you know, you drive for the convenience and it's, I've got to drive and a walk. So I come back and I'm like, well, tomorrow morning, I'm just going to have to run to my car, get warmed up and then head to the gym. So I grab my keys um, and everything and I, I sort of walk out the door and I, I run around the corner to where my car is, right? Here's the thing. It's like really early in the morning. It's like 4.30. This, it's all, it's covered in fog. Everything's foggy, right? <laughs> And there's these lights, we have big construction going on near us. And I don't know if they had big like floodlights on or something, but the sky is like this orange hue. Yeah. It's dark, the sun's not up, but it's this like dark orange hue. And I'm like, gee, it's a bit weird out. Like it's a bit, and it was quite hot. And I was like, oh, this is like a, it's like an eerie time. I thought to myself as I ran to my car. <laughs> and I get around the corner and I get to where my car is. And I look and was supposed to be. Was supposed to be. Because my car's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my car's gone. It isn't. <laughs> and and I go, my car's been stolen. Oh no. My I I've I, I'm so silly. I've I've parked it here and maybe I haven't unlocked it or someone's just seen it. Or it's know. rolled down the hill. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, so yeah. I get there and I go, my car is missing. <laughs> and so my immediate response is can't deal with this now, might as well go for a run just to clear my head because this is a reality I don't want to have to deal with. I have a very busy day and I need my car. 
So I run back to I, I run back towards the house. I go, all right, I'm just going to go for a run today. Yeah, yeah. Go for a run and I'll deal with this situation when the sun's up. <laughs> and as I'm running back towards my house, I make eye contact with a figure in the distance. <laughs> and that, that figure is my car. He's <laughs> parked right out the front of my house. What? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I, 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 I stop in the middle of the road. Fog all around me. <laughs> These beaming lights pouring into the sky. Were you listening to any music or anything? Yeah, yeah, I had a podcast on. Oh, no, I Which I paused when I realised that my car was stolen, right? I see my car and I go, is that my car? I click the button of my keys and it, it lights up, it unlocks. And I go, awesome, my car hasn't been stolen. <laughs> but it's been moved. <laughs> but it's been moved. How has it been? How has my car moved itself? And I came down to two conclusions. One, one, I've blacked out. I have, you know, I have somehow, like something's happened, and I have just totally blacked out that I've moved my car. Or two... I have a sleep disorder and I, I've started sleep driving and I literally, I immediately went, I immediately went, I'm going to need to go see a doctor today if I can get this sorted out. This is going to be dangerous. Like that is a dangerous issue. If I was able to unlock my door, get my car and drive my car around the corner, I need help. Right? On another note, my auntie has, um, like she does a lot of sleepwalking and and opens the fridge and, and eats food and like stuff. While yeah, but she's just trying to car. No, but <laughs> she's like tried to open the window of her apartment and things. Yeah, yeah not good. No, right? like yeah, yeah. I, I was like, oh no. Anyway. Yeah, this is this is. So I get and I come back into the house. No, no, I don't no, come back no, into no, the house. I, I, the I get in my car because I'm like, well, I'm going to the gym now. Yeah, yeah. I've got to go to the gym. I need to just deal with this. I'm shaking. My body is shaking. <laughs> Because I'm just like, oh, I don't understand. I, I literally exclaim to myself, I'm like, what? What is going on? What? And I'm sitting there in my car and I'm like, I just need to go to the gym. I need to work out. And I'm like, something weird's going on. I like start up my car. I drive to the gym. I get to the gym. There's no water coming out of the fountains. And I'm like, something weird's going on. So while I'm working out, I'm looking out. Is something weird going on? Like, like I literally look up, like, like weird. You just Google. Yeah, yeah, I Google, like. strange things happening. Yeah, I'm like, weird phenomenon. Are we going round yeah, the I, I, I Literally, literally, I literally looked up. Wake up and cars moved. Orange light in sky. Question mark. Right? I was like, what I like, I like, I like, surely there is some mass event occurring. Or. Everyone's car has been moved a few meters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The earth. Yeah, has just rotated. My car has rolled perfectly around and come back. Some kind of magnetic force. Some yeah. magnetic force, exactly. And then, and then I went, maybe Zane's moved it. Oh. Right? But then I go, but that would be so weird. <laughs> because Zane didn't know my car was parked there once. Zane was at band practice. Late. Late. Like, Zane was at band practice really late. And why would he go out of his way to move my car? You know? Like, it's just... You know, it's like it's like a weird... It's a weird thing. Who moved my car? And I, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 who moved my car? The new movie. 
<laughs> the crash lights producing. Produce. Have you heard of that book as well? Who moved my cheese? It's like a business. Yes, book. yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually exactly what this is based on. <laughs> um, so, oh. but I'm there, and I so I come. Okay, Zane's either moved my car, or I've somehow entered another dimension. <laughs> I've, I've, I've slipped through the cracks yeah, yeah. and I've got to figure this out is, how to get... This is the orange dimension. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was literally like, I was literally like, oh my goodness. All the dimensions are RGB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have read, I have re- like read too many like oh. sci-fi articles and stuff about parallel dimensions. We did talk about redacted yeah. documents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about redacted documents in our last podcast and yeah. somehow someone's gone, he needs to go. <laughs> off to the other one. Off to the orange realm. Here he goes. Don't go. Off to the realm. Um, and so... And so retribution. Um, and so I'm at the gym and I'm kind of... I'm, I'm still a bit off. I'm a bit freaked out about the situation. Yeah. I go to text Zane. I, go to, I type in the message... Hey bro, weird question. Did you happen to move my car? And then I go, surely he didn't. Surely he didn't. And then I, I go and I get in my car and I drive home and I just and I just go, this is a weird day. This is a really Wait, you drove home. I drove home. You drove down the street to your house. No, no, no. no. I've been to the gym. To the gym. <laughs> oh, right, right, Tarek, right. keep up. Come on, we I'm, like, on. I'm like, you found your car. Had a crisis. Thought about going to the gym. Got in your car, driven home. No, I've gone to the gym. I'm working out. I'm, the water cools aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get home. I walk in the door. I have some breakfast, and then I'm walking up the stairs, <laughs> and I see a there's something on the railing <laughs> of the staircase. Spiral. On the, okay. we've got spiral staircases going up to my room. And there is, there is something on there. And I'm like, what is that? I look at it, it's got writing on it. So I turn the lights on and I'm looking at it and it's tape. It's masking tape, taped around. And it says, hey, bro, moved your car. <laughs> and then it's got some scribbles that look like $4. And then it says, Z, love heart. And I go... I, I, literally, I, I gasp and I go, of oh, fucking course, of course, of course. Yeah. But then I go, why didn't he just text me? Why, did, why didn't he put it on masking tape? I don't know. Look, but, okay, my side of the story, I was driving home late from band and I take this particular route to get to my house, then takes a different route. So I knew, obviously, he went out of his way to have to park. And then... I, I, I just go, dog, that's so far away. <laughs> so I pull up, and then lo and behold, there's a spot right out the front side. I'm like, I'm just going to move it. Yeah, and then I don't know what I thought. I was, like, tired. I didn't want to look at the screen. I, so I'm like, I'll just put this tape on the... He'll see it when he walks down. And and the last line of the tape was, so you know. Because <laughs> I was thinking, it's like, because if he doesn't know, like, it's going to be... <laughs> But also I parked a little bit forward because it was like right on our driveway. And I was like, oh, he, you know, he'll be, he'll be you know, in the morning, go to the gym, he'll be busy, but he'll see it. It's there. It's just there. But you just missed it. Little did you know, oh. the night before I'd prepared in my head that I had to walk a bit extra, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah. but it was brilliant because it was also a very nice thing to do. You're moving my car. <laughs> Um, so what's the moral of the story? I think the moral of the story is... Be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, yeah. Be aware of your surroundings. Um, yeah. Masking tape is probably not, <laughs> not the best method of communication. communication. 
Um, I come from a hospital background. I label things with masking tape. I don't know. Oh, I was just like, yeah. How is that a messaging system? That was look. It was a failure on my behalf. I'll admit it. No, but, but, but it was a lovely thing, and it was a great story. Great, amazing, amazing and story. I'm going to be honest. I have never <laughs> had an experience yeah. quite like that morning. Yeah. I legitimately, I legitimately was worried. That I had something that happened to my brain. Honestly, I think the only way the story could have gotten more interesting is if Zed would have had to have gone to the doctor and the doctor would have been like, oh no. And then Zed's midway through a CT scan. And then Zane's there with a bit of masking tape like, no bro, no, no bro. You totally do You look down and you see Zane and you're like, oh. So you know. So you know. Could I um, pull in the, the fishing rod and the fish on the end of the bit of, I don't know, fishing terminology? Great metaphor. Are there any other experiences with failure that stick out to any of us? And maybe let's think about it from a production side of things or an artistic side of things. I've got one off the bat. Yeah, you go. This is like my go-to um, failure story. <laughs> oh, is it raw? Raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same you. Uh, so, when... When after my first year of college over in the US, I was lucky enough to get a grant to go do some studying and develop a one a one man show over the summer, um, and did a bit of traveling with that and brought it back to Brisbane. Zane and I connected after mm. a couple of years of not mm-hmm. seeing each other, and I was like, "Hey, I've got this idea for this like project because I've been touring this one man show, and all of these people I'm meeting have like different experiences with the same topic because it was kind of around like masculinity and like." like exploring this idea of like like transitioning from boyhood into manhood and healthy ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. And I met like so many people from such diverse backgrounds who were like, whoa, this so resonated with, with me. And like this reminded me of like my mother or my father or, you know, different figures in my life. And I went, oh, I want to do something that's a bit bigger. That's a collaborative project and bring in lots of different art forms from people around the world. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to do this project in Brisbane, but then I'm also heading down to Melbourne to see my mate Andrew, who was living there at the time. Shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Andrew, to the Schmish. Um, <laughs> the brothers. Yeah, the Schmanivsky brothers is what we call ourselves. We don't need no ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that into yeah. the world. Yeah, we had to put it in the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Um, and so I went down and caught up with Andrew. I'm like, well, we'll test this, this model of this project we're going to call Raw. So we'll do it like my one-man show, and we'll have art installations there and like performance art pieces. And so Andrew Andrew was living out the back of a of like a dance studio at the time, like illegally, like that they, they had the dance studio was like friends with with him and another mate of ours, and was like, yeah, if you guys want to just like live out the back and pay us like rent, you know, you guys can just live there. But this dance classes on all the time, and like, there was some weird classes on. Yeah. But we were like, okay, we'll just book it out for this one night. We'll do a one off show and invite some people. We spent a week just like working, working tirelessly to pull this thing together, and it is a shit show. <laughs> so we get there. We we we're about to open. We're we're putting up these like photos that we've collected from all of these like friends of mine from around the world, and it's sort of like a photo exhibition, and then performances that happen around it. It was very much like you're experimenting and trialing with the hybridization of different art forms, right? Like yeah. that was your first sort of... That was the first idea. It's like, yeah. well, what would it look like to have an art exhibition that also had live performances in there and that they all centered around the same theme? Mm. 
what happens is about two minutes before the audience walk in, all of these frames that we've put up on the wall just start, oh no, one of them yeah. comes off the wall because we're using this like Velcro we bought from Kmart, right? It just falls, glass shatters everywhere, right? So there's now glass everywhere. The audience, we've just let the audience in, <laughs> right? So we quickly maneuver it and make it look like it's, we, and then we write a little sign that says it's all falling apart at the scenes. <laughs> and we, we make it as if that was part of the art installation. Beautiful. Right? It, yeah. And then Andrew and I go into our positions for the performance. At which barefoot. time I'm ba a barefoot. Oh, I'm barefoot. Andrew's in another room because he's doing like a performance installation. I'm there standing there getting ready to perform. <laughs> and I'm looking at the ground and I'm going, there's glass <laughs> everywhere. Mm. And the audience were all there and... and not many people came, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, we do this performance, I do my one-man show, we go to end, we both go to bow, and as we bow, every other frame <laughs> on the wall falls to the ground. That would be amazing. We, we, we literally bow, and it's just like, oh glass God. shattering everywhere. The that audience is so all like, cool. oh. yeah. You know, there's someone in the audience going, wow, the timing of the smash was just to the poor form. Yeah, yeah. Classic Um Yeah, so it's a classic theatre technique yeah. <laughs> called the Big Bang. <laughs> um, uh, so that happened, and it was an absolute disaster. But that sounds so beautiful. Well, it was. It was. It was a massive learning experience. But I think the big point to get to, sort of, to fast forward through the story and where the idea of failure comes from, is. I mean, it was failure in a lot of sense. We lost money on it. Like, no one came except some family friends. Like, it was bad. Was um, it in Melbourne? Yeah, it was in Melbourne. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I didn't have anything to do with no, that. No, Zane didn't have anything to do with the next one. The next morning, I walk, I go for a big walk to, like, process everything that had happened. And I'm making, and Zane and I have already committed to trying to do it in Brisbane. Mm. And we were, all we had to do was send in the money to confirm our venue. Yeah. Right? Which was Metro Arts. Which was Metro Arts. In Edward Street. Yeah, yeah. In the city. And this was, like... I, I hadn't really done anything with my degree until now and it was, I was doing my event management and it was sort of this great opportunity to now and it started making me think, oh wow, I can combine this tertiary education with um, my passion for the arts. And it yeah. was like that clicking moment. And they like yeah. got them to write articles on you, mm -hmm. you know, like there was this... Yeah. Yeah, and, and so we, we had sort of already committed to that and then so I called Zane the next morning to let him know how it went <laughs> and I was like, look, it was an absolute disaster. And then I said to you, but I've just paid for the venue. So we're going to work on it and we're yeah. going to try and make it better. And I was kind of like, I think I know maybe how we could do this, but we're going to need to do a lot of work. And then Zane was like, yep, sounds good. All right, I'll start getting stuff ready. Yeah. I f flew back from Melbourne a couple of days later um, and we met up and then we literally just grinded it out. Yeah. To, we, we basically changed the whole idea and we... Rather than it being a one-man show, we took elements of that mm -hmm. and, and created a show that then brought in two other performers mm -hmm. and all of the scenes were inspired by the artworks that had been created by the other artists. Oh. That was, it was sort of set up as, like, as you enter the space, you're given um, sticky notes. This is the origin yeah, of yeah. sticky notes for us and, and pen. And you would be invited to walk around, and it was sort of set up in like a uh, spiral. Yeah. With two, what's the name of that um, seating style? Uh, traverse. Traverse. Yeah. And so you would go around the space, interact with the artwork, put sticky notes up, and then take a seat. All the while, let's bring up another <laughs> failure. Um, 
the performers are in these these thin or oh, little actually thick. thick plastic bags, <laughs> right? With little um holes in them. Finger lights and oh, yeah, just, yeah. just a hole to breathe for, right? Yeah. But were not large enough on the first night, apparently. We hadn't figured apparently. out. We, we were Allegedly. Pulling, we were pulling things together last minute. Music. Look, we didn't have a soundtrack and then Zane and I an hour out go, we don't have sound cues. We've got no one up <laughs> uh, And I had to operate sound. And then also even just like, let's talk about the lighting state, which I think really worked. Yeah. It was, was really like relying on an innovative way of thinking was two working lights with people who operated them and moved, moved them, around. them around the space. So it was raw. It was really like we were trying to encapsulate this idea. Anyway, we just didn't discuss how long it was going to be as the art exhibition interaction for. And, you know, audiences took quite a while to get around and have discussions and sit. And, and apparently, I don't know yeah, what it was yeah, like so, for you. But. Well, so, yeah, I, I guess, like, yeah, so from a production standpoint, just clarify, so the audience will come in, yeah. we're like, oh, this is last minute, but it's all come together. Mm. Zed and our other two actors, the amazing Lily and Izzy, um, climbed into our plastic bags, which we'd never climbed into before because, of course, we only had the budget for the ones for the shows. <laughs> um, and so we poke a little hole that we have, like, towards the ground, and we lay in these little bags, and we kind of, like, breathe out, in and out of the hole, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> but you need the hole to be able to rip out of the bag, right? So that was the other thing. So if you lost your hole, not only could you breathe, <laughs> but you had no way to break out. So what happened is we all sort of got in, and then I quickly realised as the audience walked in, and I, I think Zane may have realised simultaneously, we had not organised a queue to start the show. <laughs> so we had no way to signal when the show was going to begin. Secondly, I didn't realise how hot it got inside a plastic bag. So it's fogging. The whole thing's fogging, right? I'm dripping in sweat. Like, and then, and then we, and then I think all three of us lost our hole. So we're, the opening sequence was a lot longer than I was yeah, 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 yeah. So we had a long opening sequence while we're all trying to find our way out and go, and breathe air. And then the show happened yeah. and we had a, we did two shows. They both Sold oversold. Yeah. Um, and we got amazing feedback yeah, and, really and it was like so much fun and it was mm -hmm. such an amazing learning experience. And I think yeah. for both of us, like a creative highlight of like, of trying something out, experimenting it, paying off both in terms of process, but also the final product I think was something we could all be really proud of. Mm. Um, but it also, all of that happened because of those original failures mm. and all of the failures along the way that like almost you know, I think if you're taking a lesson out of that, it's like sometimes you just have to try things out mm -hmm. and sometimes yep. you need to um, give yourself, let your failures be creative constraints for the way that you evolve and you try things, you know, new and, yeah. and, and evolve things as you develop. Yeah, learn so much. Yeah. So much. Tarek, do you have any experiences of failure you'd like to bring up? I'm fully blanking. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I've got actually another few points. So I read an article this week um, by Mark Thorley. And it sort of is comparing the academic industry to creative industries in that academia can learn a lot from the processes of failure that the creative industries has. Mm. Um, points where like failure is often hidden or perceived as negative when in actuality the creative industries depend completely on creativity and failure or my interpretation is the creativity of failure I think is really important. Love that. Um, did you want to rip off that at all, or you just? 
I mean, I mean, I, I could rip on it a little bit if we yeah. want to, if we want to dive in. Yeah. I yeah. feel like there's something that I feel like the three of us and through a lot of my friends that I've sort of grown up with and, and developed both here in Australia and overseas is like this idea that there is a bit of a stigma with failure. It's like, and especially in the creative industries, there's this mm. feeling like you need to, everything you put out needs to be like, you know, your magnum opus, you know, it's got to be your big project that people see and that's how you get work. And then you become, yeah. like, you become like a brilliant creative who's doing amazing things and that's how your career starts. Yet I think so much of the creative process is about failing, you know, and it's about, you know, failing boldly. Mm. And I think that was one of the, you know, I will actually attribute this to one of the most amazing teachers I've had it was an acting teacher I had in London, um, Catherine Pogson, um, absolute incredible human being, the whole, the whole team there at LDA as well. But one of the things she sort of, she like really pushed in us and she really pushed me individually was to fail boldly, mm-hmm. to really push yourself. And if you're going to do something, go and do it and lean into that failure and embrace it mm-hmm. because in so doing, you are going to make so many new discoveries rather than playing it conservatively and, you know, keeping your cards to your chest and going, I've got to make this, this perfect thing or this thing that's going to appeal to this audience or is going to brand me in this way. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like exactly that, the, the creativity of failing, like it unlocks new things. Like even with this podcast, our episodes are evolving. We're starting to figure out what our voice is and how mm-hmm. we connect you know, and sometimes, you know, like the opening today, we could, you know, you, you could call <laughs> a bit of a failure, yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a bit relaxed, you know, different than what we're expecting. But, yeah. but, you know, it comes down to this idea that like failure is just as valuable, if not more valuable than this idea of success. Mm. And really, they are synonymous. Mm. What they mean is that you have engaged in some kind of process and you've had an outcome. Yes. Failure and success are just perspectives, usually outside or, or then sometimes internal, that you place on that process and product. But the reality is, is you as an individual decide whether it is a success or a failure. And the true thing that should you should be, especially at sort of this early stage in our careers, I think, the way that we should be measuring that is on whether we learned things, whether we challenged ourselves, and whether we brought people together. Because like that is the beautiful thing about art and creativity mm. is is learning and building community and creating a spot for connection. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can't I'm I can't speak so much to a um, specific story around failure that is as enthralling as what we just <laughs> listened to. Um, but I can definitely speak to my experience with it. Um, I've always been a really conservative person, especially when it comes to creativity, and it's hard to juggle that line between trying to keep creativity personal and your own oasis almost and then sharing it with the world and growing and accepting feedback and not being good at something or not being as good as what someone else has done that's similar Mm -hmm. and I think a major turning point for me was starting to work with you guys you know like especially in a group setting you're kind of forced to put that work out because it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm in a team now, you know, or I'm on a project or like there's certain deadlines and you've just got to do it. Whereas I would spend so much time getting caught in my own head about it. And the other, I think the other way to look at it is, is there's nothing to lose. Right. And unfortunately with the advent of social media, thank goodness that Instagram is now crashed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Celebrate. Like, yeah. Phew. <laughs> the plan paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we'll make the big bucks. Yes. 
But we are constantly being pitted against each other and that's not mm. just limited to beauty standards or, you know, like social interactions and stuff or how mm. many friends you have. It has also been a changing point for creatives and their professional work and mm. how it is, like, showed to people. And I feel like if you're an emerging artist or a young artist, you're held at these really high standards because everyone is on this same platform of a social media platform and it's like well you know this stuff isn't as good as this other this other really professional company that i can also look at their work for free so like why would yeah. i follow this this person's paintings like that are done with two dollar shop acrylics instead of mm. you know this art house but it's also it also leaves room for all creatives to be able to explore all those different areas as well. You know, yeah. there's not as many limitations to having access to different forms of art. So I don't know, it's a double-edged sword, mm. but I think there is definitely a conversation that needs to be had around what what kind of culture we're creating for younger people with sharing their work online. And the fact that everything you put out is not going to be a magnum opus, you know? Like, it's yeah. just... It is what it is. And then if it doesn't get enough likes or it's not the right thing or if it's exported at the wrong quality, it doesn't matter as much as we think it is. It's not as detrimental to your lifelong career. But it's how you get better. Exactly. You know, like it's that it's that chipping away. Like we've talked about this so many times. It's like it's showing up every day and being like, mm. I'm a creative, I'm an artist, so I'm going to do something creative and artistic today. Mm. You know, and there's something fulfilling about that. Yeah. Like... Even if the, you know, like the three pages you write or the painting that you do or the drawing you do or, you know, the poetry you write, even if it is like you look at it afterwards and you go, that is terrible and I'm never going to show this to anyone. Mm. Yeah, but you showed up and you did it. Yeah. Like that's a win. Mm. And in so doing, eventually, you know, you put the reps and eventually something's going to come from it. Mm. Yeah. But then I think the other question we have to ask on this is who gets to define success and failure for us? Yeah. Like, and, and every individual yeah. gets to make that decision. Right, and that's and it's a, it's a very important decision. It can be so empowering or disempowering, depending on how you define it, too. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love this idea. I think it's Mel Robbins that has this idea. She keeps a um, a list of five people mm. in her wallet. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I think yeah. this is such an awesome thing. And it's and and every time that someone gives her feedback or an opinion. She pulls it out and she goes, is that one of those five people? No, then I don't care. That your opinion does not influence, does not validate, does also not tear me down because you were not one of the five people, you know, or six people, however big that circle is, that whose opinion actually matters of me mm. because they're the people that know me and have a real ability to reflect mm. on the work that I've created. Mm. But what's important is that I show up and create because that's for me. Mm. Yeah, I think failure is inevitable. You just got to yeah. embrace it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of few points. I was gonna jump straight to, I just uh, thinking where have we managed or capitalized on failure, like in in our productions. Like, are there any things that stand out? I I just think about just the audio of this podcast. It's like yeah. you know, like the first week it was just like I just didn't know what I was doing. You yeah. Know? And then now it's. You know, and, and each week I'd spend a bit more time on it, you know, and, the, you know, things will be bad when you put it out. But, you know. I think the main thing, especially in relation to projects, is when you've got to get crafty to get around some failure. I feel like that ends up being the best kind of work or, like, the most meticulously executed because you really have to think about yep. how to solve the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, let's look at, like, let's actually track that because I think you're on such an important point here, like, and that's very tangible for us right now. Mm -hmm. So we're now at a point where we are able to record video simultaneously to recording the audio. We've got a background that kind of fits that and we've set it up so we have a standardized place for us to record our podcast. Yep. That is easy for us to operate in Mm -hmm. because initially it was there was so much stuff we were moving the entire room around every time and then i'd have to move it back so i could work in my room and you know and and now we've you know we've gone away and we've vinyled the back wall so we've got this chalkboard it's something that we're all like really you know we love like it's a space that we've created together yeah. we turned into lobsters yeah we turned into lobsters you know yeah yeah <laughs> check out Those the Kmart reviews yeah, yeah, for yeah. um vinyl wallpaper <laughs> uh the chalkboard one that one of the reviews says that it helps someone turn into a lobster. It's a so, featured review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, feature a feature review. For it's a great. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, but also from a sound perspective, right? Yeah. Because do you feel like that you have become a better? Do you have you developed sound a better understanding? Yeah, I was like, what is the terminology <laughs> I'm looking for? Sound man. Boom operator. Super sound <laughs> yes. operator Super boy. Super sound boy. It's uh, me, Super Sound Operator Band Man Boy. Wow, that's like a really great speaking one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> but through experimenting, yeah. doing some weird stuff. Some really weird stuff. And just trying stuff out. <laughs> she like emphasized the weird stuff. I do weird things. You know, in the like, dark. Just like in the dark. Even like all the little bits that I do. You know the <laughs> That's what that's yeah. be, like, that was a, that was an bit. effect, wasn't it? Was a, that was an effect. That was an effect that he just put See? on. Insert how, effect here. How good am I doing these effects, right? No, yeah, I think I think if, if you're given as well, like, yeah, a framework or, like, a setting to work in, it's a lot easier to experiment mm. rather than just pulling it from thin air, which is what we did. <laughs> My <laughs> voice effects are so good. Um, yeah. You know, I think about to the first time we were like, let's do a podcast, you know, and we were just, we were like, put a table down and like, video, I get it, audio, what? And then, yeah, you do, you end up just refining. But I'm going to go off another point, and it's, how they, Mark Roberts, Mark Thorley, <laughs> how they, Mark Roberts, <laughs> say, say Roberts. reconfiguring. Circular yeah. <laughs> Chinese, Bill. Oh, wait, what did you say? <laughs> okay. Uh, performance fronts most experiences, or there's a product, mm. right? Uh, there are large teams most of the time working like clockwork behind. So there's that process. Um, they were comparing research papers and the delivery of information for learning to the delivery of like a theater show or a film. Um, and, and this idea that all the failures are kind of hidden, you know, but I feel like with social media, there's like this element of transparency and it's like, how far do you go to publish your failures, failures? Is it something you should make accessible or in what way do you, interact with that reflecting on it yeah i i think this is a really interesting point because i i think it's also interesting you say you know like there's a new opportunity with social media or it's an opportunity that's been around for a while to be transparent but i but i do think that also there is an ability to manipulate the way in which things seem 
right? So you can, even though like you're crumbling at the seams, you can be like, I'm doing great, everything's awesome. <laughs> you know, like, Spanewski. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, no, but I, but I think there is a real ability to sort of like, like play with authenticity and like almost perform authenticity, perform process. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's dangerous, mm. but I, but I do think that there is a need and a necessity and there's a desire to actually explore process in more detail and have these conversations, talk about the messy parts of it, talk about the mornings where you failure failure now i know to do solo tracking when we're recording yeah yeah exactly i've often said that in my earlier days as a boom operator that's actually that hilarious that is hilarious yeah. that that happened right right but it's like how how beautiful is that because now <laughs> now also that's probably not going to happen again never you know because yeah. zane's gonna not and if it does happen again then zane goes through sort of our advisory board at the crash site which ensures yeah. that um, he receives adequate punishment for his sins. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be strategic. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. how do you guys feel about like now we're on the topic of repeating failures? How do you guys feel about you know the age old saying where it's like you know if you fool Only me once, it's on me, and then twice it's on you, and then I don't know what happens three times. Me three times, then can't put the blame on you. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I, you can't blame someone if they fool you. No, fool me once, that's that's on you. Fool me twice, that's on me. Yeah. Right, because I've let you fool me twice and fool me three times. Well, <laughs> yeah. What is the rest of the I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking of the J Cole lyrics to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm like wait, is? <laughs> yeah, like, where does the helicopter come in? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, but I think that's an interesting thing. Is that's why reflection is so important. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Is giving yourself time for reflection. Yeah. No, 100%. I think um, the, the interesting point as well that Mark Thorley brought up was that in academia, there's failure that it tends to be late in the process. And there's this, this interesting relationship where it's, it's they're, they're worried about the measurements of, of their, their thesis, not the learning process and the reflection of what they, they went through to, to create this product which is really hard and I respect anyone that is studying uh, professionally or is trying to do an honours or a PhD because I went through it and I failed. I literally failed the literature review and then I went, okay, I think it's not for me. I, I learned from doing that and I changed my path, but I, I respect everyone in the, in the research fields and I, you know, like I was able to get this free you know, and read this and, and respond to it. There's just so many, I, I think, yeah, it, it links into like how everything's online now and the education is shifting. You know, we talked about that in episode, episode two. Um, but yeah, what, what they were saying is that there are a lot of things to learn from the creative industries um, to be applied across other sectors. But at the same time, there was a point that was brought up and that I thought maybe we could challenge is something about the... Yeah, putting work out, working to publish, putting it out in the domain, and then they argued that you want to keep experimenting until it's at the standard of the domain, and that the domain accepts it. Ah, uh, what the do old we think about domain that? trick. There so is I'm... no domain in art. Mm. There is no like you can't. You're setting your own standard. If that's more or less what we're saying, domain means here. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there. 
there is some kind of level that you're meant to reach and that's it and you've transcended into the higher domain of society, of the arts or whatever, yeah. you know. I think it, that's constantly changing. That ceiling's constantly being broken down or moved or mm. flipped upside down, you know, repainted. It's not... It's, ne it's, it's a morphing structure and it's dependent on objectiveness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree with the ethos of that. Yeah. I think what I what I do challenge though is that the fact is there is a domain, and the domain is the industry. The mm -hmm. domain is the is the people that make decisions on what is considered good and successful mm -hmm. and and art worthy of funding and financial investment. Um, what you know, like you look at the visual art world, right? Mm -hmm. Success in the visual art world means your 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 art is selling, yeah. which means that you are creating. Fundamentally, like a commodity, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, it's the business of it. The way that we validate in so many aspects of mm -hmm. our society and in it bleeds into the art world as much as we want to, you know, tear it all down and, and start a revolution mm -hmm. is money says a lot. Yeah. And it's where is the money going? But the biggest question that has to be asked, I think, is who's controlling the money? Yeah. And how is that money trickling down and opening up opportunities and creating new platforms? Mm. How can you create a new domain? Because that, if we go back to looking at the internet mm -hmm. and we look at the, the tools of technology, this is where it's exciting. Is now for the first time in history, you know, in this era, in this lifetime that we have, we are able to really start to create our own domains. Mm. We can go, I, I operate in this very niche this niche area. I create cartoons or animations that look exactly like this and this is what I do and I can build a following around that. Or I'm a hybrid artist that does a bit of this and yes, I feed into the mainstream here and I make a bit of money here but I do that to invest back into the work that really, you know, lights up my soul. Mm. And I think that's the balance because the other thing is that, and I think we're talking about this too, is like I don't want to be a starving artist. You know, I think that starving artist myth is is... It, it just sucks. Like, it's such yeah. a poor way to, to not actually validate a lot of creatives. And mm -hmm. there's so many amazing creatives out there that work their entire lives and put so much work in and produce such, like, like so much quality that can't be measured, mm -hmm. right, in terms of the impact it has on people's lives, on community, mm -hmm. you know, on connection, on, you know, like, legitimately changing people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yet it is not commercially viable. And I think it's that, it's, it's finding new ways of, of tying it in with business models, looking to innovate in the way we make this work accessible and that we create sort of like, like different elements of works. How can something exist digitally as well that allows it to scale? Um, but also, you know, for us as individuals going, well, what is my relationship to the domain or the multiple domains yeah. that I exist in? Yeah. yeah. How do you find new domains? How do you find, like, support underfunded domains? Mm. You know? Because, I mean, there's also going to be a point where it's like, okay, but you've got X amount of control over which domains you're supporting as well. And if you want, if you want there to be a real difference, it's like voting, right? You're going to have to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. They had this concept of, uh, or they, they didn't really delve into it too much but they I was brought up with like gatekeepers in the industry as well um yeah I think it was just interesting to be like coming from it from from our experience in in independent you know Brisbane art and really like b truly believing like 
and, and knowing who this work matters to that we're doing and how important it is for an individual mm-hmm. and, and not having to worry about who deems our work as a success or a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there are some challenges around sort of these gatekeepers in industry, but yeah, with, with, with online, I think it's just ever so present that you, you can really start to experiment and start to fail and be, be proud of it and embrace that like early in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, also, it's also like the idea that for some people it may be a failure. Like, let's look at Pathos, for example, this big mm. show that we did, and we put a lot of time and energy and effort into a project in that project, right? And that project was not for everyone. Mm. Like, there are people yeah. that came to see that show and they just did not get it. Mm. It did not resonate with them. Um, they, you know, like technically, there were things that they could pull apart. It didn't fit into the traditional no- domain of what theater is. Yeah. You know, it, it was a long show that, that challenged its audience in a lot of ways. And for some people, they, they just did not connect with it. And they were like, oh, that, you know, like, I think they'd honestly look at it and go, that was a bit of a failure. Mm-hmm. It didn't appeal to, to the perspective that I have on, on what I want to see in the kind of theatre that is going to affect me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also had people that saw that and went, and, you know, like, and there's a lot of lot of people who we met we spoke to and we got feedback from who like afterwards you know were in tears or yeah. were so deeply moved and continue to like bring up conversations around it and talk about it and question it and go no this bit meant this or you know or, or I didn't like that bit but I love this bit yeah. and I was talking the other day to one of our cast members as well and we were talking about uh, she was saying she was having a conversation with some of her friends who saw the show and it was interesting because um, some some people really liked the sort of um, highly theatrical, um, stylized, abs- I guess surreal, absurd world mm-hmm. element of it, mm-hmm. which was the whole sort of opening at first half of the show, and then and they and and they didn't really connect with the deep emotional mm-hmm. personal stories. Mm-hmm. But then some people didn't, you know, weren't super fond of the, <laughs> the theatrics, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But loved the deep emotional mm-hmm. stories and were moved by that. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people like both, and some people hated both. You know, and, and it's like, but it's like, well, how can you validate a base level of success or failure? It has to be personal to the team yeah. that created it and the feedback to them that they, that, you know, which is us. I don't know why all of a sudden started referring to us. The team. The, that the, production yeah, team. That production team. Over um, there. It's legit now. Um, like, we, we decide, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I was like looking at it, like, shielding my eyes from the sun. <laughs> the sun's just peered into the studio. Another, <laughs> another beautiful thing that um, Thorley acknowledges that you, you acquire the identity of yourself through the consumption of, and what I would argue, creation of, you know, music, film, computer games, and higher education in early adulthood. These experiences are so important for like forming who we are, you know, especially in this in, in our age. So it's experiential over tangible, feeling from indulging in a piece of music or reflecting on the learning experience of your honours. You know, they're so sort of ingrained in, in the process. And I think I'm going to sort of start to wrap it up now. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening and also thank Mark Thorley for this paper that mm-hmm. they produced. It's really quite interesting. And I'm going to link it in the episode description as well. Awesome. Um, yeah. Were there anything, any other points that people want to bring up before we sort of bring it to a close? I think one thing for me is just like is just I think we need more conversations around failure and also not seeing mm-hmm. failure as a negative thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like to think of it as prototyping. 
I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. I think that's an awesome way to look at it, yeah. right? I, I think that what matters is you trying something out, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. even just to tie back in with, with you talking about how you went to go do honors and then you realized yeah. it wasn't for you. Yeah. But you could only come to that realization, come to that certainty by trying yeah. it out and failing, yeah. right? Failing, yeah. quote unquote, you know? Yeah. According to um, the, yeah. the domain. To the domain. <laughs> These domains, they're yeah. everywhere. Down with yeah. the websites. <laughs> yeah. Take them down. Facebook, watch it. Yeah. Um, we did Instagram. We did Instagram and we're coming for you. Mm. Um, no, but I, I think that's really important. I think a question for us to sort of ponder as we move on with this podcast too is then how are we, how do we create a space where we're also failing more? Mm. You know, where we're creating more regularly, we're putting ourselves out there and we're sort of, we're, we're you know, mm. walking the walk as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some of the traits of creativity, if you're maybe not listening and not in the creative industries that you could take to your sector or profession, is that preference for challenge, openness, and divergent thinking. Take from that what you will. We might delve into that in further episodes. Uh, but I'm going to finish up with a quote, and this is a quote from me this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love a good Zane quote. Zane quote, bang. Take risk, and don't be afraid of the outcome. We all have only one shot at a life we've been gifted. Creativity depends on interactions within the environment. So I'd like to bring that to a close today. Thank you, Zed and Tarek, for once again, this beautiful space that we've created for ourselves. Thanks for having us. My favorite day of the week. Yeah, I love Thursdays. Thursdays yeah. are fun. Yeah. Up the Thursdays. Up the Thursdays. <laughs> Up the Thursdays. Not an interrogatory way. <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but I think we wrap it up right there. Yeah. Shall we? <laughs> oh yeah.